Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. Jason Stein, your host here with Mr. David Bergstein, my partner in crime. With us today, we have a special guest, Ms. Sonia uh, Dumas. Sonia, did I say your last name right? It's actually Dumas. <laughs> Dumas. That's the silent. Okay. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, so we have with us Ms. Sonia Dumas. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you for inviting me, Jason. Yeah. And really David. Appreciate you being bon, here. Bonjour. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> is that French? It is French. It is uh, very similar to Alexander Dumas, Count of okay. Monte Cristo. <laughs> oh wow! You, you're a descendant. Uh, I I say yes, and I dare anyone to prove me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Off to a great start. Well, folks, mm-hmm. uh, Sonia is an expert in crypto, so we have invited her to join us, help us um, learn a little bit more about this space. It's a it's a growing trend. So, Sonia, tell us a little bit about your background and you know how you became a crypto educator for this profession. It's uh, it's interesting. I uh, spent the last couple of years uh, focused on sales and marketing for uh, fintech companies and in the financial space. And around 2019, actually, it was one of my brothers. He's actually, he was in crypto for years, and he kept telling me, you need to look into this. This is a game changer. And so 2019, I finally, you know, drunk from the fire hose, and I was like, okay, what is this about? I read the Bitcoin white paper, and here we are, 2022. I am fully immersed. I am a trader, an investor, a researcher. I analyze it uh, because what I understood was that basically the internet was shifting. And so I actually grew up in Silicon Valley uh, during the uh, 2000, uh, between 1995 and 2000, when the internet was first being formed. And I remember the same energy and innovation and creativity that I experienced in the Bay Area. Well, here we are, years later, experiencing a similar shift. And so that's why I decided to dive in and understand what will this shift, basically from this Web 2.0 world that we're living in look like as we shift into Web 3 and what and how will technology change the way we interact with money? So that's that's a bit of my background. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know that. I think we always kind of expected that digital currency would become a norm and it pretty much has. But I don't think mm-hmm. we expected quite to this degree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we knew te- technology was going to change our lives, but it's never ceases to uh, surprise us. If I if I were to ask you a question as a, as an accountant, why uh-huh. do accountants have to know about cryptocurrency? That'd be part one of the mm-hmm. question. But the second part of the question is, and I know the answer. What is cryptocurrency? Is it an asset? Is it an investment? Is it a way to pay uh-huh. for things? So uh-huh. two part. Why does an accountant have to All know right. about it? Besides All right, checking the box. <laughs> 
Get right <laughs> into it. Grand slam uh, answers. Here we go. <laughs> so why should accountants know about it? Simply because one of the things that's actually happening to accounting is something called triple entry accounting is coming to a world near you. And what that essentially means is a lot of transactions are going to now happen on what's called the blockchain. And the simplest way to understand what a blockchain is, is think of it as a batch of transactions. It could be 100 transactions. It could be 10,000 transactions. They're batched together and they're verified. And that's considered one block. Well, if you have a sequence of a block of transactions, that creates a chain, hence the name blockchain. It's a sequence that includes a batch of transactions that's all been verified. So imagine your clients being able to, one, put their accounting records in, just so you know, blockchains can be public, private, or semi-private. So it doesn't mean that all the information have to be out there. Every blockchain is a little bit different. But essentially, your client's uh, ledger, it's basically a digital ledger. So that ledger can not only be placed on the blockchain, it could be shared with, for instance, your bank. If you need a loan, you can find out within 24 hours or less if you're approved for a loan, probably even less than that. And so why accountants need to understand, it's not so much understanding what's Bitcoin all about. It's understanding that blockchain technology will be tracking transactions from an audit level, from a verification level, and it allows for real-time business intelligence. It allows for efficiencies. And so clients are going to want, uh, will want to integrate this into their business operations. So whether or not you believe in Bitcoin, whether it's a scam or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is that your clients will want this um verifiable information, not only for their own business, but think of mergers and acquisitions, financing, think of um, supply chain management. All of those companies who are putting now their information on the blockchain can really communicate with each other in real time. So that way businesses can make smart strategic decisions, especially considering the current economic environment. So one, that's the why why you should know this or why you should understand this. Can and I interject then, there before yes. you go to sure. part two? Sure. So for me as an accountant, what you're saying mm -hmm. is if I sell something to someone and mm -hmm. use cryptocurrency and blockchain, I'm actually mm -hmm. putting that invoice, that sales invoice out there. So it's on my ledger, the public ledger and the client's ledger. So we know that's what we had to sell. Yes, yes. So it can be public, like I said, it could be public or private. And so, um, I mean, think of like, you know, county tax records and insurance. The minute that information gets on the blockchain, think about all the real estate transactions that can happen. And the whole idea of blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies is to cut out as many fees and third parties as possible. Now, you'll never get 100% rid of third parties. We have to trust somebody, even the software developers who are coding all of this. But the idea is that this information can is time-stamped and it's mathematically verified. This happened and it is near impossible to change it. I mean, you have to really have a, a, a syndicate, <laughs> you know, one of those uh, fourth column, you know, dark horse kind of groups that are, you know, changing things. But, you know, that's, you know, I think I've watched a little bit too many Netflix <laughs> movies. I saw, I saw the article that you had out there with the diagrams, how uh -huh. you... Uh, by disintermediating the banks, it really mm -hmm. makes simultaneous transaction. That was in one of your diagrams. Exactly. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the banks aren't going anywhere. They're also adapting. One of the things I point out is that in 2015, the banks set up a organization called R3. 42 of the world's global banks got together uh, 2015, which was the same year that uh, Vitalik Buterin came out with Ethereum's white paper that talked about smart contracts and how you can remove the middlemen and, or the uh, third parties in a way that you, we couldn't do before. 
So they've been studying this since 2015 to understand how they can adapt their capital markets, insurance products, banking products for this digital world. It really sounds fascinating, but Ethereum mm-hmm. seems to be the one that does the smart contracts. So if you're doing title insurance or mm-hmm. uh, it's immediately out there when you buy and sell, you don't have to look at paper anymore. Exactly. And Ethereum tends to be the largest that, you know, it's like first mover advantage. They came out the gate, so they are the largest. But one of the struggles with Ethereum is their transaction fees are really high when the network is congested with a lot of transactions. So there are competing chains like Matic and Solana and Cardano and that are Avalanche that are all coming out to say, consider building on our blockchain. So that way, the one, the transaction fees go from paying $200 a transaction to like a half a cent, right? Fractions of a penny. And so this is a part of the, I would say the war, the war of who's going to win right now. Like I said, Ethereum is uh, the largest, you know, the most trusted, but at the end of the day, we recognize transaction fees are important because if you're trying to send $50 and it's going to cost you 200, that's a problem. Now, if you're sending 200 million, you're only paying 200, that's not a problem. And so the other cool thing is with blockchain technology, the transaction fees, they don't care how much um, money you're sending. So the amount doesn't matter. What matters is how fast you're trying to send it. So that's that's like a new innovation, right? So that whole 3% fee, 1% fee based on whatever the total is, that goes out the window. And now it's, are you sending at a congested time or are you sending when the network is uh, down uh, during a down period and you pay accordingly? A, low, a lower fee. So yeah. It, Capitalism at work there, isn't it? A that's right. Uh-huh. So if Jason and I wanted to get into uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, should it be Bitcoin or should it be something else? And how do we go about (laughs) buying it? Do we do Coinbase or we do something else? And before you answer that, uh, I'm good uh, on crypto. I'm not getting into crypto yet myself. (laughs) But I know many others that have. Right. And they're interested. And so, you know, not financial advice, but usually that's where we all start. We all start with Bitcoin. It's the it's the largest. It represents something like right now over 40 percent of the market of the crypto market is all Bitcoin. And so understanding, I would say go to uh, Bitcoin.org. Read the white paper. It's nine pages. It's not complicated to be able to understand what at least the vision of why Bitcoin was created. And then, you know, for those who want to start, usually Coinbase, Gemini, FTX, right? They're all over the NBA. <laughs> you see right, them at so every clients game. want to come yeah. to us and ask us. So yeah. it's good that you're yeah. telling us so we can advise yeah. them. So, so at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there are the major platforms. Now, mind you, right now we are in a regulatory battle. So the SEC is right now going after uh, Coinbase saying those are securities. You need to delist them. So there's a conversation between the SEC saying that cryptocurrencies are securities and then the CFTC saying, no, it's a commodity. And Congress is back and forth in the middle. So over the next year, we're going to see a lot of, um, I would say, some progress on what regulations look like. Because here's the thing. If Bitcoin is treated like a commodity and everything else is treated like a security, that's like a bit of two different like tax tax roads you have to go down. And so this is where um, platforms like Zen Ledger and Acquainting and Coin Tracker they help um, individuals who are involved in cryptocurrencies track all their transactions, figure out what that tax liability is or loss, right? That your tax, your capital uh, gains or your capital losses, and then be able to hand over that report to your CPA at the end of the year, saying, "Here's you know, here's the information so that you can do your part." So just know that that so that's some of the complications that we're still trying to figure out. 
as far as what's the regulatory response. Like for instance, uh, there's something called staking rewards. So if I took my Bitcoin and I say staked it on a platform, that means deposit. Staking just means you deposit it on a platform for a certain amount of time and you earn a certain percentage. Well, the IRS had a situation where they were, um, the, the, not so much the IRS, the, uh, uh, the, the taxpayers, one of the things that they did, they said, we should not have to pay income on staking rewards because we didn't take the income. We just received the coins, but there was no sale. So what are we being taxed on? Like so the God. IRS, yeah. yeah, sent the money back, but they didn't give a clarification on whether you're taxed at the time you receive the rewards or when you sell it. So they just said, here's your money back, but we're not going to answer that question. <laughs> so that's the like, if the IRS can't even like give us a, some clarity on, are, am I staked when I earn it or am I staked when I sell it? And I'm the, I'm the type of person, I'm like, why am I getting taxed? Because here's the thing. Say you get um, some rewards on a coin and it's worth, or you get uh, rewards and the coin is worth $5 when you received it. Great. If I eventually sell it, you know, I'll be taxed accordingly. But what if that coin drops down to 50 cents and I never sell it? I'm like, well, it's 50 cents. It's worthless to me. Am I going to get taxed when it was $5 or am I going to be taxed when it's 50 cents? Right. I'm of the opinion if I'm going to sell it, I want to be taxed at what I'm actually selling based on the actual value of it, not what I received it at and didn't do anything with. So that's like some of the muddiness yeah, that's it's still on. messy. And I think that's yeah. why people struggle with this subject, right? Is mm-hmm. well, what what are the rules? And they can't find the rules because there there aren't rules for certain things. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at this, you know, kind of comparing it to stocks or um mm-hmm. even cash, right? Because it's mm-hmm. it's either a currency or an investment, but it's kind of both. So yeah. it could be either one of those. But yeah. but as we treat currency, we don't tax currency until a transaction happens. Right, mm-hmm. and we don't tr- we don't tax inv- uh, stocks or investments um, until a transaction happens. So you would think that it would follow suit, but we have to have the, you know, the official guidance, and that doesn't exist. No, um, it does. <laughs> it so it doesn't. So, mm-hmm. Well, so I was going to dig into that more. Like, yeah. so what do how do how do our you know pros advise their clients and handle these situations? So you start with what, I mean, it, it, on some level is trying to like fit an elephant inside, inside a kitchen sink um, <laughs> because accounting wasn't made for uh, cryptocurrencies. Like the, at least the accounting rules of the last 500 years, that doesn't apply to the last basically 12 years that Bitcoin has not, not applied, but it, it does not work well. It does not serve the end user. It does not serve anyone really well the way the, the rules currently work. And so you start with, so that's why, like I said, there are platforms out there like a coining, Zen Ledger, Coin Tracker, um, Cryptio. And what they do is they say, okay, well, based on the current accounting rules, based on the current IRS guidelines, we are going to take all of your transactions. We're going to give you some cost basis options, LIFO, um, HIFO, and uh, uh, another one called specific, uh, uh, Specification ID or Specific ID. And we'll give you three cost bases. Uh, that you can choose from. Obviously, choose the one that's most favorable for you. We'll give you some tax loss harvesting options. And based on all these current rules, we're going to give you a report at the end of the year that says, okay, once again, here's your capital gains, here's your capital losses. And then when you get into the granular things, like like I said, staking rewards, that's where you have to deeper dive and say, okay, let's either one, push back and dispute this with the IRS, or hey, just pay them. It's a small amount, move on. So we're, we're kind of in work with what you have, 
and, you know, and be as, uh, you know, it's it's a balance between being way too loose and way too conservative. So find a, a middle balance to say, what's a, uh, I would say, reasonable decision we're going to make here for your crypto assets? Um, because the other thing is, I mean, there are things like um, in crypto, like long-term capital gains, short-term capital gains, you know, holding crypto for a year or longer, especially in some of these newer projects, that's not feasible. Some of these projects you're only in for couple of months, couple of weeks, some of them even a couple of days. And so it, it, the tax rules, it's like crypto moves too fast. A year that project one either may not be around or two, it may. But if, you're, if your whole goal is to make money or invest it in the short term, then being able to, um, then falling under the short cap, term capital gains, it, it makes uh, crypto trading, like I said, challenging at best. Mm-hmm. And, and clarify for us what you mean by mm-hmm. the, the project. And then could you oh. also um, mm-hmm. uh, give a, a, a dumbed down <laughs> <laughs> definition of what tax loss harvesting, harvesting is? Because um, okay. I've been okay. seeing that term a lot tossed around in this space. Uh, so uh, project, So one of the things we call uh, cryptocurrencies, a lot of times we call them projects, because if you look under the hood, they're just software companies. And so that's why we call them projects. Like we call them projects, companies, coins, all interchangeable. At the end of the day, they're software companies developing the next iteration of, of um, I wish I call it, of, of the internet, specifically, like I said, this whole idea of Web3, which is all about uh, decentralization. It's all about putting information back into the hands of uh, ownership, right? You're owning your assets, you're moving them freely uh, a lot a lot faster. When, this can also happen, like I said, in a matter of like minutes versus taking days, oh, got to clear the bank and all of that. So I'm like, eh. Yeah, but in the, so in any mm-hmm. case, from a ta- tax perspective, there really right. is a transaction occurring. Someone's making yes. money or losing money uh, mm-hmm. when they're doing the project because they're giving up crypto for something and getting something in return that's either more valuable, less mm-hmm. valuable. But I think that's what you're saying. You go into crypto because you want to see the value go up and you see quick, you move it. So for, as an ex-IRS agent, mm-hmm. uh, I'd probably make that taxable when one because you're controlling it. You have access. It's, you got that money immediately and you can do whatever you want, but I'll leave that for the IRS to do uh-huh. somewhere along the way. <laughs> right. I, exactly. You know, it, at the end of the day, like most of us are like, just give us guidance. Let us know what the rules are. So we know how to play the game. Right. At, like at the end of the day, help us play the game correctly. Cause the game is about making money. The game is about minimizing our taxes. That's been in existence since the tax system ever existed. So with this totally new technology, legal. So, yeah, like what's the the legal way? Let's keep it like keep things above board. Let us know what the rules are so we're not violating anything or we're not hit with a large tax bill out of the blue. And then, Jason, to answer your other question about what tax loss harvesting is, it's pretty much a simple strategy. So basically, if your portfolio is underwater, like most of crypto is right now, right, your portfolio dropped 80 percent. Well, it's a way to basically generate realized losses so that way you can offset the gains. So it's all about decreasing your tax bill. Um, and what's really interesting is that the uh, um, uh, crypto does not have a wash rule, which means that you can sell your crypto and buy it back hours later and, and be able to still ca- uh, capture those losses and those gains. Whereas with stocks, you'd have to wait like 30 days um, to be able to. There is a wash rule. So those are things that are not um, 30 or 31 days for the wash rule. Um, but anyways, those are things that. Right now is, you know, crypto where we're able to kind of get by with, okay, I sold all my losses at 2 p.m. And by 3 p.m., I bought back the same coins because I believe the market's going to come back up. 
So I want to still be in my positions, but I want to put it on the books that I realize some losses. But obviously, if the market goes up and you then at some point capture the gains, obviously, there's a tax bill waiting for you. Right. No, that that makes sense. Well, Sonia, this has been so educational. And we had another episode with Dr. Sean Stein Smith, who's also a crypto expert in the in the profession. And, um, you know, he helped orient us to to the concept that I, I feel like we did well here to to build on that and get a little little more information about it. And so, Sonia, I mean, your your purpose in life is educating the profession and people, you know, in in this space. So if people want to come engage and learn more from you, where would you send them? You know, find me on LinkedIn. I that is where I am the most active, and you can see a lot of articles that I post, and you know, get I get amazing feedback because at the end of the day, it's putting as a CPA, put your hat on as far as how are business owners strategically thinking about operational efficiencies, and so that this is where this technology comes into play. And so, if you could at least understand the strategy behind behind. Uh, behind becoming more efficient operationally, increasing profits, reducing expenses, reducing time. Time is an expense that sometimes we we don't pay enough attention to. But if you can cut a financial transaction that takes two weeks into two days, how much, I would say, how much of a return on investment is that, that you can then repeat over and over again and then take two days and turn into two hours? And so look at the bigger picture as to what uh, executives and business leaders are looking for, especially as we're you know, having all these recessionary t- uh, conversations. It's about, OK, how do we become more efficient? How do we become leaner? How do we cut the fat? And, you know, knife is in hand. <laughs> yep. And a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow, right? Yes, yes. Well, Sonia, it has been awesome having you on the show today. We might we we will probably ask you to come back and continue to dive into this topic in the future. So uh, be prepared for an invitation for that. But we really appreciate awesome. the time you spent with us today. And folks, be Thank sure to you. connect with Sonia on LinkedIn and um, keep keep a, an eye on her post so you can continue to educate yourself on this complex and ever-evolving space of crypto. Awesome. So Sonia, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, David. With that, we'll conclude today's episode and we'll catch up on more next time. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2022.